0: Hi, everybody. Since this is a Wallace Shawn episode, I thought instead of a (laughs) high-pitched voice, I would come in with the lowest voice I could do. So, welcome to the Rules of Acquisition After Dark. And let me tell you all about My Dinner with Andre, which is a movie that I had not watched when when we watched this episode of DS9. But, in fact, I have a lot of things to say about Grotowski. And back when I was upstate doing theater, I can tell you that I had such an amazing experience. I was working on this play, and we were both... we, we Well, we were all naked. It was about the um, intersection between fear and arousal. The play was called Terotica. And I was um, walking around naked in a holding a knife and wearing a... Costa Rican a devil mask made out of a cow skull, you see. And I was uh, grasping with uh, another uh, woman. She was naked. Um and I was uh, well before then I was uttering very guttural text, maybe even you know, in a voice like this, and I was doing it in a very and from the Necronomicon or a uh, you know, fabrication published uh quote unquote version of the Necronomicon, and when I was doing this, it was the most uh, rewarding creative work of my entire uh, theater career. I was in a farm upstate in an abandoned church, it was where we built the show. And um, I'm, oh, am I am I boring you? Oh, okay, I guess you don't want to hear about that. Would you rather just listen to us talk about the Negus and Ferengi, and this episode of uh, the Rules of Acquisition? fine well enjoy the show um actually i'm sick that's why i sound like this and by the time that if you stick around for the back end i will have more to say and i probably will feel a little bit better because i i'm about to start coughing and i can't keep this up all right uh, well, uh enjoy the show and i will be back on the back end to talk about the Negus. cracks nava girl my hardu zeke oh
1: yeah the bigotry towards and sexual appetites of the Feranghi. Oh yeah, and Wade has a crush on Andrea Martin, a strange, beautiful crush. Oh yeah, it's time for the Rules of Acquisition.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast I hope you've been listening to it for a little bit, so you know whole, the whole spiel we're talking about, Star Trek. Deep Space Nine, we're going through every single episode. Uh, With me is James Nolan.
2: Hey, guys.
0: And Hugh Crawford. Hello, gentlemen. And as always, I'm Wade Bowen. And tonight, we're going through an episode called The Nagus. Yes, The Nagus. So, yeah.
1: All right. If you want me to go ahead and get into the description, according to IMDb, this uh, aired March 21st, 1993. IMD describes this episode as the Ferengi's greatest politician and leader, the Grand Negus, comes to the station. He seems very interested in Quark's bar. This one was directed by David Livingston. All right, gentlemen. So what do we think of the Negus? Anybody want to start? Initial thoughts?
2: I loved this episode. This is the first one in a while. I I I enjoyed a good part of this episode, and I feel like that the parts that I didn't enjoy revealed something to me about how, at least the first season of Deep Space Nine is is running behind the scenes, and uh, it was so I enjoyed it on that level too. So what wasn't enjoyable was informative to me.
1: That's interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I really en- I enjoyed this one more than I thought I would. Remembering it. Mm Because let's go out and say this is a Ferengi episode. That's what this one is. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. This one's all about the Ferengi. Yes. And I remember from going through and watching it all before as the Ferengi getting a little bit tiresome. Like, oh, they lean on it so much because it's a fan favorite and blah, blah. It's kind of, you know, trite or whatever. But you know what? This This is a great episode. I liked it. Yeah. And you know what? And I think for two reasons, it's great.
2: One of which is the entire, I I really liked, I mean, it's kind of hokey and TV as it was. I really liked the whole father, the whole Cisco, Jake, and Nog storyline.
1: Yeah, I came on here ready to defend that quite a
2: bit. Oh, it's a good one, yeah. No, 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 no. I thought that was a good storyline. Me too. I like that a lot.
0: I have thoughts about it I want to talk about later.
2: Yeah, I responded to it as a teenager, a a man who's been a teenager. I responded to it as a father of an eight year old boy, but what will one day be a 14 year old boy. So, I mean, I liked that whole storyline a lot. Okay.
1: So the storyline is, is that basically Jake uh, could go on vacation at the beginning of the episode. Jake could go on a trip with his father, but it tells him that he doesn't want to do that, that he just wants to watch ships come in with Nog. Mm-hmm. Like he's at an age where he's putting like the stuff with his dad aside in favor of hanging out with his friend. Right? Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Yeah. He could go to the fire caverns for gratitude fest. Yes. Which at first I was like, oh, is this like fucking happiness day or whatever it is in the Star Wars yeah. holiday special? Exactly.
2: <laughs> and it for everyone that wanted to go see those fire caves, believe me, you will, don't worry. You'll see a lot of those fire caves. Oh, the yeah. fire caverns of Bajor. Yeah. Um They come back. Yeah. Uh I also like that it touched on not touched on it was pretty extremely sort of firm in the racism of cisco and o'brien but particularly cisco towards Ferengis, and i'm gonna call it racism
1: yeah it's it's racism
2: because i think specific specifically about the racism in that storyline with between nog and the father and the and the son and i think it's specifically like hammered home in that scene where he's like i want you to like him because we're federation and we like other people but we're just so different that we can never, you know, and he was trying to make these sort of excuses to sort of, and I, it was fun to watch this. It's fun to watch Avery Brooks do this. It's fun to watch a Federation that sort of chisel at the the esteem of the Federation. So all of that was just really, really enjoyable. And the second thing that I loved most about this episode was, was Wallace Shawn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can just imagine, I mean, watch those scenes and imagine even like, The base level Star Trek actor in that role, Mm -hmm. like whatever the base minimum or whatever is playing that role and how hammy and awful it could be
0: or boring. It could be really boring, too. He gets a little bit hammy in there, but he... No, no, almost... a little bit to the hee 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 uh, yeah to the extent that those get a little bit grading for me if I'm being honest but I
2: I felt like he knew he knew it was gonna grade on you <laughs> yeah. like, it's like you're <laughs> <No>. <laughs> being graded on by a master yeah, yeah I
0: forgave it cause it's fucking Wallace Sean doing it so well I feel
2: like he knew when to go a little bit deeper he knew when to like hold back he knew when to like he's giving a multi level performance obviously it's a high pitched performance and obviously it's broad comedy but He's giving it like a touch of nuance that I I think is maybe uh is a lesson for some of these actors on the show of how to play these kind of characters. So
0: right. I don't know if he went into it thinking I'm gonna do a nuanced thing. I think he's just he's just good enough to that it, it pulls through. Yeah, no, I
2: think he just just sense memory of like old Hollywood, you know, old Broadway talent, you know. Right. He's trained enough and been around enough that he knows that, you, you know, he's not he's
0: a real actor. He worked his way to get to where he is. And he's a real playwright. And right, right. He's done mask work like Armin Shimmerman has to make him <laughs> good at being a Ferengi. And <laughs>
2: yeah. So like he he did. He, he's got the skills. So just in the sense memory, he comes from like someone didn't just this. He, he's not like Terry Farrell, where everybody told her she was pretty and she just Decided to go be in television. Yeah. That's not his career path, so he's got skills that he acquired through not being, uh, being on a different path. So. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're a hot four foot <laughs> eleven or whatever his <laughs> height is. Yes. Th- though, to your first point, I did find it funny, like, oh, the Ciscos, the Federation, and humans in Ferengi are so different. Oh, yeah, because, like, humans have never been capitalist. <laughs> <which> yes. <laughs> Yes. Right.
1: Plus, Cisco's dad owns a restaurant. Yeah. Are you telling me he's giving that shit away for free? Oh, yeah. Come on.
0: He's in the Federation. Yeah, he's doing it because that's what you get to do in the 23rd whatever century it is. You get to do what you love. You get to make a living off of it. You don't have to worry about doing it for Mm -hmm. sustenance. You do it because you love doing it. And that's what his dad does. Well, they call him a
2: chef, but really he's just a replicator programmer. <laughs> oh, his, no, his dad cooks some <laughs> no, shit. No, I know.
0: I'm just kidding. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We haven't even introduced. We are. Yeah, that was that was my bad.
2: This episode even had aubergine stew in it. <laughs> oh, is that this is the first mention of aubergine stew? No, it was mentioned to the pilot because his dad used to make a mean aubergine stew. But this was uh, this was the second mention. Yeah. OK, so what's up
1: here? So why is the Grand negus coming to a. Shitty little space station. Well, it and a shitty little bar. It turns out it's because the gamma quadrant provides some new business opportunities, and I think that's interesting. You know, that like checks off the box of actually using the wormhole yes. for a plot device. <laughs> well yeah. You know, which is basically all we ask of this show, and it hasn't done that for <laughs> half of
0: the episodes. Yes. Good point.
2: That was what you think of, like in those last lines of the first pi- of the pilot episode, it's like this opens up everything of all these new potentials. And then we just do typical boring Star Trek shit for five episodes. Right. No, this is like why aren't there Ferengis out there? manipulating people in that. So, no, it makes sense. This is what the second or third episode should have been
0: about. Yeah,
2: right?
1: Yeah, you know what? That's that's true. Mm-hmm. The Grand negus should have been there like ASAP. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I want to sort of plant the seeds on what I think. When I said that it gave me like an inkling of what I don't think is working this season, is this episode was actually pitched by the director the director of the episode he's directed a ton of star star trek shows across all spectrums of the different series that david livingston and it was the first time he pitched an episode and he pitched an episode that it was the he pitched the jake nog and cisco stuff and then he pitched an episode about a conglomerate of criminals that run a criminal enterprise throughout the alpha quadrant featuring klingons vulcans uh, you know, criminal Vulcans and all these different people. And they were to come on Quark's bar and sort of put this, the plot device in motion that Quark ultimately sort of got snared into. And I think that's a fine episode. Like, I don't know. And they, they were like, no. And, De- and Ira Bear said, no, I just want to rewrite it and put Ferengis in it because we like Ferengis. You know what? I think that was the right call. Do you? Yeah, I do too. No. Okay. 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 So I like this episode a lot, but
0: You have the Ferengi, you might as well utilize them, and it also helps set this as something, it it gives this series a voice apart from the next generation, which, you know, Ferengis weren't a thing until the next generation, but then this is like, you have Quark... Quark, who is such a good character, you might as well, if we're doing character-based stuff, have a Quark episode. Oh, how do you have a Quark episode? You talk about the Ferengi and their wider, you know, civilization. Yeah. Okay, it's
2: my inst- it's my belief that Quark would have still been the center of
0: this. Yeah, but it just makes it more interesting and it colors it. Otherwise, you do it with the, all the other races. It's, it's like a next-generation episode, but that Quark happens to be in.
1: Yeah, this actually you, this makes it uniquely Deep Space Nine. Is I think what he's trying to say, right? That's mm-hmm.
0: No, yeah,
2: I okay. Um, no, I, I, you're right because the thing the the weird thing about my argument is this episode doesn't suck. So I'm arguing about a change that <laughs> right. was made that didn't make the episode that didn't make it a bad episode, right? But I think it shows that, that is weird. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Well, I my overall point is I think that Ira Bear is possibly, like, a bad writer and a bad influence on this show. Hmm. And I think that with last episode, which was a dumbass idea of an episode, and was an awful episode, was pitched by Ira Bear's best friend, who had never worked on Star Trek before. <laughs> but he let him, he was his best friend and he let him pitch an episode and it was the worst episode in the world.
0: Yeah, this Move Along Home uh, yes. is easily the worst episode. We talked at the beginning of the podcast about... A man alone being the bar. It's like, oh man. Yeah, now we moved. Man here. alone is so much that the bars, <laughs> move along home is so much below the bars. Yes. It's the worst.
1: <laughs> so we think move along home is actually the worst one so
2: far? Oh my God, yes. Oh yeah, totally. I do. Do you not? No, I don't think it is the worst. I, it may be the worst Deep Space Nine episode.
0: It pulls that trick where it's so bad that it's almost entertaining. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, there was. A, you might have a point there, but it like, oh that's, man, that's my point. Like, in watchability, I think. what <laughs> right,
1: we're get, I'm dragging us back to last week's <laughs> argument. This week, <laughs> it's the
2: it's a black hole of badness where it's, yeah, it's was, still stuck still sucking its mm. gravitational pull.
1: Yeah, we could get. Um, we might be able to get in this argument every week about what's <laughs> worse if we're not careful.
0: Yeah, my argument for a long time is going to be move along. Here, oh yeah, but, no, I, you know. So I, bl- I blame that episode
2: all on Ira Bear, and I think that I I think what he's doing is he's meddling in episodes to keep it. Yet again, I think it doesn't add to like the greater deep space mythos. But you're right; it uses the. And, and it introduces Wallace Shawn, who's in seven more episodes of Deep Space Nine. So he's not like he, he's a character we see again. Yeah. The Negus. So it, it, it contributes to that world. And, but I think that yet again, it's, he's trying to keep it like locked in the, in the Deep Space Nine. Like there's a show that we know exists that it's trying to break out of. And I feel like right now it, and this is another episode that just happens inside a really small box that we know that they don't have to be in. And I feel like that's where this, you know, because every episode now this we, we go and we watch it and we're like, when does this when does the show I remember take off? Right. Like, and it still hasn't done that yet. But but it's hard making that. And you see that people are pitching bigger ideas. So let's say you have this great memorable character and you have this great storyline with Rom. With Nog's dad and him backstabbing Quark and all of those sort of things.
0: Oh, what oh the, wait, yeah, that was I was about to say, this is the first time that Rom's act his personality actually starts to come through. Yeah. No, yeah. Like for the whole greater series, you know, the last time we saw Rom, he was just your standard Ferengi. Mm-hmm. And this time, at the very first scene, it's like Rom being like a oh, Rom, you fucking idiot. And and that's also when we get The first rule of acquisition, acquisition. (laughs) which we've named our damn podcast after. (laughs) So I think that merits talking about because it sets up ROM as a bad Ferengi or whatever.
1: Yeah. Okay, so what is the first rule? Does anybody remember it off the top of their head? Oh,
0: it's once you have their money... Never, never give, give it, it back. back. They say, and Rom says it like it's supposed to be an iambic pentameter <laughs> or something. Never give it back. I, I notice that, like the way that he says it, it's like, once you get, the, you know, it's not just a regular thing. He's, once you get their money, never give never it back. Like maybe in Ferengi, it rhymes better. It sounds better in the native Ferengi. Well, that would, like, like, they, I think you're supposed to get it as like they learned it at school. Yeah, that's the stat.
1: Okay, okay, that brings us to school, and the subject (laughs) of Ferengi schools.
0: (laughs) What school? They don't have school in Ferengi? (laughs) Apparently not. Well,
1: that's what bothers me about this episode. (laughs) Here we have the B-plot. Rom is disgusted with the human school. He tells Nog, his Ferengi son, that he cannot go to the Federation school anymore. And so... That Nog, the poor bastard, turns out he can't even read, which was not established, I don't think, until this episode, right? This is the first we find out that, wrong, that Nog can't read?
2: Well, that was the thing. I was actually wondering, well, is he just that stunted, or does that mean he can't read Federation right. speech, so he's trying to learn Federation? It wasn't It wasn't clear. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he could even read Ferengi, Ferengi yeah. or what.
0: Yeah, that's weird. Like, he has to learn to read Ferengi. Some, well, you know what? It's probably the father's role to do that, and Rom's not good enough. Rom's a big enough idiot that he never got around to. it. I think it. if this
2: was in the old west, Rom would be illiterate too.
0: Yeah, and and his whole thing about oh no, Rom doesn't really care if he goes to school. Mm-hmm. He's just pissed because he he get he's embarrassed in front of the Grand Nagus and Quark saying oh your kids go to a no Federation school, and he flips out. Yeah, it's a- we learn later that Rom actually doesn't have that big. Bias, but he's not developed enough to get there. He's yet. that
2: typical character that's kind of dumb and soft. He's like Ferdinand, the the bull from the children's story, where he doesn't want to be playing these like high, these complicated Ferengi manipulation games, but he's it's expected of him. So when he does, like he does it slowly, and when he does it, it's really numb-fisted and broad because it's not like his natural state, right? And so, like, I think at the end of the episode, you find him, you know, after trying to kill his only family and the only person that's really taking care of him in the show, trying to kill him twice. Um, I love that, though. No, I love yeah, that too. I do too. Which I... oddly enough makes Quark respect him. I, I I love everything about this episode. I think this is a good episode. <laughs> right. I, I just was setting up that I think Ira Brant Bear's a hack because I think like in three or four, three or four episodes, I'm going to say I told you Ira Bear's a hack. <laughs> All right. Uh, but no, I, th- I love this episode. But um, yeah, no, I, I think that uh, like Rom is, is that by the end of the episode, Rom gets to go back to his comfortable zone of being a, a follower and Nog, right. and Nog eventually goes back to class. Right. I mean, there's other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I don't. Yeah, he does. They don't do a good job of establishing that. Spoilers, I don't remember how it works out, but... I
2: mean, eventually he's a Bajoran air pilot, so, like, I mean, like... Right,
0: right, right. I don't want to spoil anything for people that have not watched this show in the 20 years since it aired or whatever, but yeah. These characters have long lives, and... Yeah, yeah. And Nog gets very interesting Though going back to that first scene When Quirk berates Rom for giving the woman his her money back Because the first rule of acquisition is Once you have their money, never give it back okay. And then Rom is given, return the girl's purse And then Rom goes over to yell at Nog He's basically going down the pecking order to yell at his kid Yeah And then Rom, I guess it's supposed to be established That he's making a house of cards But it's like glasses and iPads <laughs> Yeah, iPads. It's like, it's like
2: pie glasses and iPads.
0: What? Was he... Yeah, the director was like, I don't know, just here, here's some props we have and just stack them. I
2: thought, like, the story was trying to make me think that he was doing something school-related. That he's got a, a a thirsty hunger for knowledge, and he's been. That's what I thought too. For some, for some reason, I thought it. Was, I don't know what he's
0: doing with pint glasses and iPads. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, it's just like let's give him some business. I don't know what it means. We have these dumb props. It It's still a stretch. Yeah. yeah like
2: because I don't know what that. Because like last week, didn't we see Jake? What looked like building a lightsaber or something? Like I don't know. Like.
1: <laughs> he was, but then school was canceled last week. Yeah. This week school's back on with O'Brien teaching it instead of his wife
0: yeah that was my experience. which
2: which apparently classroom teaching the classroom is, is
0: uh, passed down by blood right I don't know like, yeah <laughs> like O'Brien's already working his fucking ass off he's the busiest guy and they're, like, the and they're like oh sorry you're, and, I mean man this whole thing is like set up to shit on his wife
2: yeah <laughs> like, okay. okay can we say that the plot line that was cut was how much gossip was going on around the Federation officers about clearly O'Brien's wife is not coming back to Deep Space Nine. She, right,
1: he's the last one to know. You, you yeah.
2: did you read that on Memory Alpha, or you just make it up? No, no, no. It was just this idea that like you know a couple. You know they've been fighting. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Then they go on a long vacation, and then he comes back alone. <laughs> She's not coming back. <laughs> like, right,
0: right. I, I'll just
2: teach the school.
0: Just you know, it's fine. It's
2: fine. <laughs> I get the feeling that there was like a scene. There was a succession of scenes cut out where you know Cisco's like, "Hey, man, do you want to come by my 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 cabin tonight? And I'll cook, and we can have some beers and talk about things." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right? Hey, buddy, you okay? Yeah, we've already established <laughs> that O'Brien is yeah. totally overworked, and now he has to fucking teach school. <laughs> that
2: gone. was like, give it to Jezia; she ain't doing shit on me. <laughs> right.
1: Well, the minute that that scene w- with him in the school is over, with something breaks down on the ship, somebody tells O'Brien shit's breaking down.
0: Oh, he's late to class because he's already had to fix something. <laughs> yeah, like every time right. you see
2: him, he's in a he's in a hole, like <laughs> surrounded by wires. Like someone helped. Like,
0: all right, sorry, kids. Like, I, sorry, I'm not time i had to do work <laughs> oh my god get fucking yeah cisco's got his kid there he's just sitting in his office with his hands behind his ears throwing a baseball around <laughs> let him teach if i'm right kira
2: had no line in this episode
1: <laughs> yeah let her do it and julian was barely in this episode wasn't he
2: yeah yeah he was in the scene where he's like uh was talking about declared the negus day yeah or the yeah right. no it was that making sure that quark was okay after the bomb didn't kill him oh yeah, yeah oh that's right right one of the attempts uh, is a Ferengi
1: like homing, homing bond. Yeah. That works off your sweat that track homes Yeah. Which Ferengis give off a lot. It makes sense. We're always, They're always quick to give out gross details about Ferengi.
0: I agree. Hey, you know what? A technology then can probably hone in on DNA and pheromones. Yeah. Maybe Ferengi give more. They got a lot of earwax. I don't know. One
2: thing I noticed by having an episode that was so full of Ferengi is that, you know, because there's like, what, 10 or more Ferengi in this episode? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things I realized is that they kind of go out of their way to make Quark the most attractive. Yeah. <laughs> He's like the George Clooney of Ferengis, it seems like. He's the most watchable. You can actually look at him.
1: And that's on purpose because you yes. have to look at his face for like, you know, 40 minutes every week. So
2: (laughs) by design, we have to be able to look at him. He doesn't wear one of those little infantilizing bonnets.
0: Yeah, there's only a few of those. I feel like they give those out because most of the time they're like, man, I don't want to do the rest of the makeup work. Just just put a bonnet on. Unlike
2: Wallace Shawn, his head doesn't look like testicles.
0: (laughs) Right.
1: So it turns out that the Grand Nagus is looking for a successor and he names Quark as his successor. And then he fakes his own death. And then the whole thing was a test for the Negus' son. And and his son is pissed off. And his son is pissed off because he fails the test. Yeah. yeah. Right.
0: And then his son and Rom are the ones that are plotting Quark's death. Yeah. Right.
2: Because the, the, the way to have won the test was to be the one that takes care of the bar. Because Quark's bar is really important
0: and right that's where the money is yeah, ultimately and the
2: influence
0: if you listen well and that was a really nice point and even at one point like the negus says about his son it's like it's like talking about to a klingon no klingon yeah. and it sets like ferengi values or not like be cutthroat and kill people it's just like you know what it's whatever gets the most profit it's not being about being violent or aggressive. What he should have done is just sat back and been the guy behind the scenes pulling the strings. Mm-hmm. And that's what Ferengi is all about. Whereas his son is like trying so hard to be aggressive and cutthroat and everything. That's like, I really like that one line at the very end. It's like, it's like
2: talking to a Klingon. Is <laughs> <when he's laughs> yeah. And you also see, you see it, uh, when I was watching it a second time, you see all of the different areas where it's a, Big, it puffs up Quark this episode. It's very generous to Quark. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. like, at it, it, most moments, Quark has the right instinct. Even at the end, by dragging that Dabo girl to like show off to the Gamma Quadrant that that's his wife. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a smart instinct because they couldn't kill the Dabo girl, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, like, no, no, no. Don't do that. Yeah. 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 So, like,
2: yeah. but like, all of his instincts, even in that over-brought, kind of crappy. Godfather ripoff scene. Oh, uh, at the table.
1: Oh, God. I hated that. I hated that. Uh, yeah,
2: where he's holding like a
0: cat organ or something. Like I don't know, like some sort of. Oh yeah, like space cat. What? What the fuck was that puppet there? Yeah, the pet there. Do we see that thing show up again at any time? I actually loved it. Hey, it's fuck like some fucking some crazy space cat. Uh, low budget Henson Imagineer, you know Muppet <laughs> shit. The puppet was. It's like somebody somebody had their hand in that thing, <laughs> doing like little movements and stuff for through that
2: whole scene. Yes. Yeah, probably Nana visitor, so she'd have some
0: to do that's how she got her uh stipend for the show or whatever
2: yeah i almost wonder if maybe this this episode was written without knowing if o'brien would be back from con air or whatever movie he was filming for the last three episodes and that was all nana visitor stuff and then like when o'brien came back they just ripped all of her lines from her and gave it to (laughs) o'brien maybe but
0: he had his wife I didn't want to pay Keiko for this one. Because so I you know, think like, it I would know, be it was... funny
2: to watch Kira having to teach a bunch of kids. It would be. Yeah, yeah. And like d- deal with their homework excuses. Yeah. That's a funnier scene than O'Brien. When I was your age, I was killing <laughs> yes <laughs> with ra- like
1: razor wire <laughs> <laughs> Cardassians with my bare hands. Yes. And you guys are complaining about homework. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to build a nation here. You know, all that stuff. Yes.
2: But, yeah. But back to my point is the episode is really good to Quark. And like, so like, I like that you get to see how when you bring in all the foreign you get to see in contrast not only the world that quark comes from to better understand him but you get to see that like how he is you know you always want the character in a show to be exceptional among his kind and that he is that so that that's a joy to watch you know
1: guys being a ferengi looks fucking exhausting (laughs) like every time every time i'm watching it i'm just like jesus it looks like you're always it's just full of just like one anxious hand-wringing moment to the next, <laughs>
2: yes. isn't it? Yes. <laughs> it just looks
1: like a miserable
2: existence. And then they have to, yeah, like there was this, I love that you go through, Arm and they, Armin Shimmerman's pretty great in this episode, but um the scene where the Nagus comes in and the Nagus wants to go
0: fuck a girl at the at the brothel <laughs> right. or five of them i'm glad that we've established that he runs a brothel yeah
2: and then he wants to fuck five girls yeah and then like quark is like well okay that's not that's not a problem but if he dies in my hollow suite
0: like <laughs> right. that's gonna look bad on me so he's got all that shit to worry about right <laughs> and then the Negus comes out like oh give me that orange drink <laughs> yes <laughs> there's a whole uh Theme of orange, and then Jake Sisko is <laughs> drinking orange juice this whole time. There's a big orange <laughs> drink. Yes. <laughs> Give me that orange stuff. Yes. They
1: have Fanta in the future.
0: Wait. <laughs> right. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: Fanta. <laughs> yeah, that's what that is.
2: It's like a juggalo uh, future we're living. But it's a juggalo culture, the Ferengis.
0: Yeah, I get it.
2: That actually makes sense. That does make sense. Oh, my God. (laughs) I think we stumbled upon something here. They're
0: future Juggalos, yeah. Oh, my God. I think that's giving Juggalos a little bit uh, more credit credit. than they deserve.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they're not really economic powerhouses of the...
0: Yeah. Of the upper... I like I like Ferengi a lot more than I like Juggalos. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, juggalo's that are listening. You're pieces of shit. Okay, I hate you. I'm surprised there's not
1: a real life gathering of the Ferengi.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'd go to a, a obscure place in Indiana to go to that. People in their homemade Ferengi makeup. Oh my god. All the women are naked because that's what Ferengi like. Females to yeah, be Yeah, <laughs> they're like they dress like the Davo girl, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, according to Ferengi, women should not be in clothing at all,
2: ever. Uh, that's that's it. You're right. They did. We'll talk about that more later. They did say that, but like later on, you meet. Don't you meet his? Doesn't the girl? Oh no,
1: we'll we'll get into yeah. that. Oh, no, there's, oh, we do. Wade, Wade and is, Wade is right about this, though. They are <laughs> not supposed to be clothed. It's not something that they just like retcon later. Oh, do they? They stick with that, and it's a plot point later.
2: Yes. Oh, uh, with his mom? Oh, yes. Yes. With what's her name from yes. Second City? SCTV. Is it Andrea Martin? Yeah, Andrea Martin plays his mom. Yes.
0: Holy shit! Oh, yeah. my god! It, yes. Andrea Martin still looks good naked to this day, but what? Whatever. Yeah, Andrea
2: just
1: getting out of the shower at your apartment and trying on. No, right but now? she was no,
0: Andrea Martin is a national treasure. That's all. Okay, I'm, yeah, say. I'm not here to badmouth. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not here to <laughs> badmouth that. But I think that... if it's Andrea Martin that plays Quark's mom, oh my god, I'm so excited. I don't excited. think I've ever found myself sexually attracted to her though. Because... I haven't either. But she, <laughs> okay. fr- I'm just saying, she takes good care of herself. That's all. It okay, and aside from her physicality, Andrea Martin is a fucking net and she's the best. Okay. Well, I think in season 2. <laughs> Apparently she did she, she did a whole thing uh, when she was on Pippin on Broadway. She does for a revival, she did amazing things with acrobatics and trapeze shit. Like she's oh. she's in good shape. Oh, okay.
1: I think this is a pro-Andrea Martin
0: podcast. podcast. Yeah, no,
1: I think we could, she gets oh, yeah. the rules of acquisition stamp of approval. Yeah.
0: yeah, anybody that has bad things to say about Andrea Martin, I want to fight. <laughs> so
2: let's just say that probably in the future, and I don't know if this holds up to scrutiny, but it seems that all of the Ferengi episodes could be awful, but they're all saved by good acting. Yeah, that's probably safe so Wallace Shawn, Armin Shimmerman, Andrea Martin later on. I even like Wallace Shawn's manservant of the punk rock Ronald Reagan guy.
0: <laughs> yeah
2: Did they make him look like Ronald Reagan on purpose? I don't
0: know That's a fucking perfect <laughs> observation <optimization. laughs> Yeah Doesn't a Troy have one of those? Like a big silent guy that doesn't oh, talk Oh yeah that's like the butler race of people Yeah 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 she does Oh well that comes up later too They
1: do establish that that particular race of alien is extremely loyal to their masters or something
0: like that. They do, yeah. Their employees
1: For
2: like the two minutes that they're trying to make him look suspicious in the whole Nagus plot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Also, weren't they handing out pieces of Wallace Shawn's dead body in Petri dishes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was counterfeit because, spoiler, he's not really dead. No, I know, but like who, did they have to kill a Ferengi? How did that, or they,
0: they just, they replicate it. You put green dust in a, you know, the prop masters had to make it, the Ferengi do the same shit. Well, it seems like... But Except easier, yeah, yeah, they just punch a code Yeah, in. but
2: it seems like Ferengis would want, like, some sort of letter of authenticity there was,
1: yeah. it said that it said that there were, they said something to that effect that there's just like a certificate of authenticity with oh, okay. it. Okay. I mean, I'm sure anything in the Ferengi world could be counterfeit.
2: I know it just, it, but in yeah. that scene, it was specifically Ferengi selling to Ferengi. So it seems like, Oh yeah. All of the, that
0: was a beautiful bit of like fucking Ferengi culture that they established in this episode, which I love is that they're just a gull- They're just as gullible to their own sales pitches as Yeah. well, but you know No, that they're so capitalist that they want to, they, don't care about having funerals oh or yeah
2: no no that or I
0: commemorating bodies they want to sell that i liked but it seemed
2: like their own inter bartering wasn't more any more sophisticated than what they do with right the others
1: well for thousands of years they built their society i'm sure they cheated each other before they had first contact and were able to cheat somebody else mm-hmm. you know what i mean
0: that's true yeah
2: I mean, they their, I,
1: yeah, I, they've, I
0: they've had thousands of years to develop ways to counterfeit that shit anyways, that probably the Fringy don't think about But it about just it.
2: seems like all of these hanger-ons of the Nagus, they're not like, there's not the ROMs of the world,
0: or maybe they are, I don't know. Oh, they're totally the ROMs. How often does a Nagus pretend to die and give up profit <laughs> by faking his death? Probably not that often.
2: I guess I was thinking more of the, no, I don't want to pay that much for it, but it's going to be twice as much next year. Okay. You know, the, that's an oldest dirt sales tactic that just, that worked on a, like,
0: I don't know. You're right, but it, it was but a, it prob- was a weird. History has probably borne that out in Ferengi culture that it will be more worth more. I
2: guess, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, no, I agree with you. It's It was just a, it was a strange thing to see. Yeah, it was strange. Sure.
2: I like, yeah. I mean, I like everything about the Ferengi is strange. Oh my God. I love this episode. I, this episode had so much to like sort of stick your teeth into. It was a, this was a fine episode, even though I, I still think it exposes Ira Bear as a hack. This episode was perfect. He's a hack. I'm all about Ira Bear being our one listener. <laughs> <laughs> right. our... Well, I don't have Nana visitor to smack around in this, in this podcast. Cause she's not there.
1: <laughs> we could switch gears real quick and talk about how great Avery Brooks and the Jake stuff was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I feel like um, it turns out, you know, whenever we have a, a kid in Star Trek, he's always got to be like a wonder kid. And Jake's character is so refreshingly normal. Yeah. And his relationship with his dad is refreshingly normal. Mm-hmm. It's not something that we saw on TV a lot, and it's not something we see a lot on TV right now. I think the closest thing we had to it recently was Walter White's relationship with his son in Breaking Bad, kind of where they had, like, a real, like, gentle relationship. Maybe,
2: let's say that first season before it gets really...
0: Sure, sure. Yeah,
2: before it gets sucked into the gravity of of Breaking Bad, yeah.
0: Yeah, I love the Cisco jake relationship. He's a good... First of all, he's the only, I don't know, only person ever, in, well, in Star Trek you have Beverly Crusher as a mom, but everyone else in the Federation is not a parent, mm-hmm. and if they are a parent, they're bad at it. Like, oh, he has a son, and he's a good dad. Yeah. Kirk has a son, I guess, <laughs> in the movies, but he's a shit dad, and his son fucking dies. He dies. <laughs> you know? You get the feeling that Kirk said, whew, like, right after Yeah, like, oh, shit, I have a son. He doesn't know he has a son until, like, the second or third movie. Second and, like,
2: movie, and then the kid dies
0: in the third movie, I think.
1: He has a son for, like, a quarter of a movie. Yes. <laughs> right. I think he managed to lose him in that quarter.
0: And for all that he got around in the original series... It's amazing that he only has the one. Honestly, yeah, I know we said privately that like you can count on one hand how many characters in
2: Star Wars has had sex. Like, I feel like maybe the same thing could be true for Star Trek also.
1: Well, the nature of the life doesn't isn't it? We've established this before that the when you join the a paramilitary organization, it doesn't exactly lend itself to the best
0: family situation. Yeah, that's true. No, but Star Trek has been about sex in the future for a while. Yeah, since the beginning. Well, sex doesn't even
1: equal family. Yeah, no, 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 that's exactly. True. That's, that's, true. I, that's yeah, my point. But
2: I was more talking about specifically with Star Wars, with how few people have actually had sex in Star Wars, or are allowed to.
0: Yeah, Star Wars is afraid of sex. Yes. Star Trek less so. Trek celebrates it. Rise up, <laughs> Gene, Gene
2: Roddenberry was much more sex positive than George Lucas, I think. <laughs> yes. George Lucas is strange. But, um, no, I think, I think you hit on the nail on the head with what is so great about there, is because you're given a kid whose name is on the credits at the beginning, so he's not like us sometime i mean he's only on it sometimes but like he's he's an everyday he's he's a deep space nine character right he's in that core character yeah um and you're right he's not the special Wesley crusher was never allowed to be just a kid because he was always a wonderkin. right jake isn't jake is probably not as will ever be
0: as smart as his dad right he's never <laughs> destined to be a star in the federation yeah exactly that's all i'm gonna say about that
1: Nor does he really he doesn't want to no
2: no he doesn't I mean, that's, that's
0: we don't need to get ahead of ourselves but he yeah right
2: yeah no he's not special and he probably won't ever be actually he is special but he's probably the only
1: person in
0: he's special in a different way the
1: only person in the whole damn federation that's qualified to deal with the ferengi on a cultural level oh that's a good point if there was ever a ferengi crisis the federation might have to call jake cisco in to like be the ambassador because he's the only one that's familiar enough with their culture yeah. to like negotiate
2: those waters. Oh, that's true. No, that that's right. Yeah. But like, you know, it's, it's great watching a typical 14-year-old boy. And I like the fact that I got the feeling that, like, Wesley Crush Beverly Crusher always knew she had, like, a nerd genius. So, like, when he was like, I need to go play around somewhere, she let him.
0: She's like, okay, fine, go go, go do it, whatever.
2: But Cisco was legitimately scared because his kid... Could be in the, like, breaking into holodicks. That's possible. Yeah, he's on
0: top of his shit with his kid. He
2: could,
1: he's <laughs> not going to be raising some Dabo girl's baby, is he? Yeah, no, yeah. And
0: <laughs> Yeah, he he sneaks around, he he spies on his kid, and then he finds out, oh, I have a good kid. And he's, like, relieved. Yeah. Beverly Crusher would be, he's like, oh, he's fine, but like, I trust so it him. it turns
1: out that when Nog wasn't allowed to go to school and he couldn't read... Jake was sneaking off behind his dad's back, coming home late, and it turns out he was teaching Nog how to read in the cargo bay, mm-hmm. yeah. right? That's what we're talking about. Right, right. So, yeah, he still does, like, normal stuff. He still, and he wouldn't tell, like, he knew he was doing the right thing, but he wasn't going to break Nog's trust, which is a strange, like, realistic
2: 14-year-old thing it was, to do. and it... And it didn't have to because he had already said that he was illiterate. He had told his dad he was illiterate in the scene before.
0: Yeah. So it wasn't like he was keeping that, but yeah. I like that the show actually respects like, oh, he's not going to tell the secret and cisco respects that jake doesn't tell him the truth mm-hmm. when he goes and spies on him and o'brien when they're in class he knows that jake is lying when nog gives the vulcans ate my homework <laughs> excuse oh that's right yeah vulcans stole my homework and then o'brien is like that's bullshit but then uh, jake and he's like jake stands up for him and he's like you know what i respect that your kid's not a rat i'm gonna let it go because he spoke up for you you know what I I like that.
2: (laughs) I like that scene that was good writing with the in the classroom scene with like the Vulcans stole my
0: homework because it shows that he's like culturally illiterate, too. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. They're talking about ethics and Vulcans being thieves. Yeah.
2: He's like, he's like, why would Vulcans steal your homework? He was like, because they don't have ethics. And I was like, uh, you know, that was a little, that was using Star Trek nerddom and sort of world understanding to develop like something in a really succinct way, in a really well written, quick little way that gives you the, like, that he's, kind of stupid about people and about the different races of the world. So I like that. Yeah. That he needs education. That he needs a he needs to be in class.
0: Yeah. And speaking of Vulcans, apparently Jake and Noggs activity that they do is just sitting at the top of the second level of the mall yes. on the promenade just sitting around looking and, at people and
2: eating one of those like pig ears that they get from the little merchant
0: yeah yeah then they're on the promenade doing whatever and a vulcan walks by and then jake's like hubba hubba basically yes. <laughs> she's, she's hot and then i just thought like maybe those onesie spacesuits that they give them have some extra of <laughs> defense in the crotch, because I don't think they're very good for adolescent. No, boners. no, no, no. You're,
2: that, that's the awful. That's the bad jumpsuit boners that
0: uh, you don't need. <laughs> right. Maybe the future they solve that problem because clearly it's, he's, all he's getting a, Peter uh, injections or something. Yeah, or maybe maybe the fabric is some space age polymer that looks like it. but It's bigger it's like, on the inside, pushing back that tiny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Don't you think he could just replicate some anti space boner drug before going in
0: looking? <laughs> yeah
1: probably. but who wants to do that? To I think him? that's yeah. probably what he does.
0: <laughs> I pretend to believe that the suit is actually <laughs> his boner is pushing real hard yeah, against it, but it just doesn't look like it is 'cause it's really works. constricting yeah
2: no, I like that too, and it was like because he's like because he's a 14 year old kid yeah and the whole scene between him and o'brien which I, th- I really like a lot or between cisco and o'brien when he's like i'm not gonna push that issue with him right now and he's like why not oh, and yeah. he goes because i don't want him to choose and he's like why wouldn't you want him to choose between you and nog because because i'm gonna lose because he's a 14 year old kid yeah and that's exactly like <laughs> yeah. i think every parent of a teenager goes through that
0: yeah and O'Brien's like what that's crazy and he's like uh, you're your kid's three, yes. right? Talk to me again when she's fourteen. <laughs>
2: that was which great. nerds on memory alpha get really upset because she really should only be a year and a half old. But...
0: Uh, of course, <laughs> fuck you, nerds.
2: <laughs> it is. She is a year and a half old,
1: and O'Brien knows that, but he's not going to correct Cisco. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're turning it into a thing where it's like it. Cisco doesn't know. Yes, <laughs> he's just going to let it sit
1: there. He's not going to.
0: He got the point. I don't know who can figure it out between interstellar travel and star dates yeah. and Einsteinian relativity. <laughs> Maybe she is three.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she could be trapped into time dilations or something like that. <laughs> right. No, I like that. Uh, there's also it's, we're on the t- we're on timelines and nerds. Apparently, way back in the Dax episode, they gave out a star date that was wildly wrong. Oh, yeah. Not surprised. But because you have to, like, follow the timeline on these
0: things... The nerds win apeshit on Memory Alpha, is what you're saying. Well,
2: they don't ever want to say that the star dates are wrong, so they have to accept that as fact. And because that was the episode where O'Brien first left. Oh. And so he's been gone all this time, and it mentions that he had been gone before... On this episode, all of these episodes have to be like pulp fictioned out to be like somewhere in the middle of the second season. That's tedious. Instead <laughs> of just accepting that they made a wrong start date number,
0: that's funny. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, but like that's what they do. So, like all of these things are like this is complicatedly placed somewhere in the activities of the second season. So <laughs> that's
0: interesting. Because yes. they're all kind of one-offs, anyways. And, yeah. That's yeah. Funny. It doesn't matter. None of them are really building on the larger story. So except when you get to all the different first contacts we've had those have to be yeah, really and there's a new
2: first contact uh, next week too i was a uh, nut that's the third first contact we've had well it's a first contact well, cuz there's all these different planets so it's a okay. first contact with these
0: people Okay, the, well, of course, you're going to only have one first contact with one yeah, yeah. person. That's what first no, contact no, 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 is. No, 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 they've, no had, with, they've had first contact, they've had formal first no, contact I mean, so far. Uh, okay, because you're talking con-
2: about the, the,
0: with the Gamma, the gamma quadrant. quadrant.
2: But, like, yeah, these are actual planets, so they you meet a new race next week, too.
0: Okay. So, um, um, but yeah, but that's getting here nor there. All right. So are we about to the point? Does anybody have anything they want to share that they would change about this? Or do we have more to talk about?
1: <sighs> I, I think we're at that point. Yes. Who wants to go first? Come back to me. Wade, what would you change?
0: Okay. All right. I don't know if I would change it, but I had a certain memory of what I thought this episode was that I actually was really psyched to wait for. It, and it never happened. <laughs> like the way I remembered it was also kind of prescient. Like I thought that the Negus faking his death was a way of him shorting and to make more profit for himself. <laughs> like, I thought it would have been great if he was like... Oh, that would have been great. Quark is a fuck-up, I'm going to make him grand naked so he can screw everything up, and then I'm going to short sell while I'm quote-unquote <laughs> dead, and then make it up on the back end because I'm all about profit, and I'm a genius, and the naked is great. I think that's it. A- and I was like, oh, that's awesome. And then at the time, I was like, you know what? Oh, my God, that's so prescient because this predates the the 2008 (laughs) collapse. Oh my God, this show is genius. It's so prophetic. That's when my head, that's how I remembered it. And then, oh, that never happens. The whole thing is a uh, thing to pull a test on his son. It's like, oh, okay, it's fine. I can't blame them for not knowing what would happen in the future, but when I thought that was what it was going to be, I was so excited yeah. to talk about how prophetic Deep Space Nine is, and how important this show is, and that's why our podcast matters so <laughs> much. <laughs> <laughs> so if I could change anything, I would make it to where it, that was such a big People deal. People always say when you go back to time that, well, this was made
2: in a simpler time. Yeah. Usually they're talking about race, and I usually think that's bullshit, but um, <laughs> right. with this it's actually true. I don't think People understood the like because the Ferengi's capitalist little schemes are all flea market swap meat sort of sale. Schemes, you know, like Shoot, uh, right. You know, I'll I'll sell you these four cartons of this for this, and they're worth, it. you know, it's all like really sort of basic capitalism. Yeah, and like the complicated Goldman Sachs world <laughs> right. is not really like like if this was written today, they're swindler capitalism. Yeah, if this was written today, they would be more Goldman Sachsy yeah, yeah, with their plans of selling shorts and trust stock and all that kind
0: of crap. But you're right, this is. a that would have been prescient. I was so psyched. I, Because I, you know, you remember things differently, I guess. And I remembered, oh my God, this show is fucking genius. And I didn't even realize it. <laughs> uh, well, maybe it's genius in another way. <laughs> I don't know. I was wrong.
2: I would have... Uh... Uh, I don't know. You've half convinced me, that, like my general belief, that the original Pitch story, the kernel that I understand of it, was probably bringing in things other than Ferengis into this sort of scheme. Because I still don't really understand why Ferengis would have a Nagus. His power seems to be nebulous. Is he like a president of the planet?
0: Yeah, yeah. that is a little weird, especially as pro-capitalist as they are.
1: Well, he, he's a financial leader and... Political,
0: financial and political. It seems leader.
2: like he's more of a union leader, kind of like when you.
0: Yeah, he should be the Alan Greenspan, especially talking in the timeline than we are that or, or before the financial collapse. He should be the Alan Greenspan of the Fringy. But he seems more like a Jimmy Hoffa. Like, yeah, he does. Well, that's what they set up them as is. You know, crooks. Yeah, so like that, it's it's all very complicated. And I, I would have liked the
2: idea of exploring a formal criminal enterprise yeah. in the Alpha Quadrant and, and seeing it represented with Romulans and Klingons and Vulcans and all that shit, um, but still being Quark-centric. But like, this episode is so good that these arguments
0: are... are, are I, I, I appreciate that my arguments on this are weak, so... Yeah, and they've already actually gotten into bringing all these criminals they did that with the um q episode yeah where yeah but i meant like she she they get all these like criminals to come in and bid on things they've already had a conglomeration of all the criminals in the quadrant come. well
2: sort of them, I and then he seeks and he sells those bounty hunters to kill somebody in one of the episodes but like the idea of you know like a like a true like enterprise like a like a a mafia, or like something. like a Cosa Nostra, I think was the word I was trying to look for. Uh, you know, where they're not all just criminals; they're just members of a criminal. Or, it's so it's um, you know, where they're not all like gangsters, like kill people and shit like that, but they're running like a business. You know, like it's it's a business, <laughs> right? Which right. I think is what it was supposed to be pr- like, sort of pitched as. But this episode is great, and this may be my favorite episode since the pilot. So, so I got no. I understand my argument is weak, and I I enjoyed this episode. So,
0: yeah, you he.
1: The one thing that I would I would change about this episode is it just bugs me the lack of education and Nog's illiteracy bugs me because there's no it doesn't make sense for somebody who's to be after profit to be so down on any sort of education that maybe come up with some sort of like Ferengi caste system.
0: Yeah, I think the understanding is that Ferengi are all supposed to be homeschooled. <laughs> well, that and maybe,
1: <laughs> but that, maybe it's the idea. There's so many. There's there's so many things about the Ferengi culture that goes that's counterintuitive to making
0: money. Yeah, yeah.
1: As my problem overall, they're so they're going about so many things wrong.
2: You, well, you know wait what I mean? And I can make the case for this. I mean. It, It's because they have an apprentice program in general. I mean, the Ferengis are let's let's be honest. These people are taking a piss out of right wing Republicans. The writers and everyone are are sort of sort of attacking that. And that gets married towards like this idea of like the Federation is like essentially a socialistic body. And the schools are a particular, you know, even in America now, public education is a socialistic body that's often attacked by right wing conservatives. And a lot of that's for religious reasons, but it could be for ideological reasons, too. And so maybe this idea of like, you know, sort of the dog eat dog sort of nature of education where you want the fittest and like the ones that want it the most get to earn the most. And so if Nog was truly a good earner. If he was truly like, uh, you know, someone that was really gonna like have a drive to be a good Ferengi, if he had the lobes for it, he would be getting the education he needed without someone handing it to him.
1: Yeah. Okay, then they should they should communicate that. I, I agree. I agree. My point is, is that they,
2: they've they've made such a weak
1: case for his ignorance. Yeah. And it was never addressed before. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, we don't even see him working in the bar that much, even in the background, like wiping tables
0: or whatever, or having
2: to clean out having to clean out the holotech after the Nagus went through five programs.
0: Right, yeah. right. Leaning on a mop. <laughs> he just gets shit on. That's what Ferengi children do, I guess. They go down the pecking order yeah. in the pilot episode, at least. He was, like, a vital part. He was one of the main thieves in Quark's Enterprise. Oh, yeah. And that's why they throw him in the brig. So Oh, yeah. I you forgot know. about that. Yeah. He does have a record. Yeah. <laughs> he has a record. And then going back to the sixth rule of acquisition that we also get in this episode. Oh, yes. Lay it on us. Which is also goes back to, like, oh, if Ferengi are supposed to be homeschooled and family so important, that's kind of bullshit, too. Because... Mm-hmm. The sixth rule of acquisition is never allow family to stand in the way of opportunity. Right. So who it, cares such if you? A,
1: it, it's such a convo Everything's so convoluted with the Fringy. I'm sure the rules of acquisition, uh, if we looked them all up, you know, half of them probably contradict each other.
0: Oh, it's just them making them up as they go along to buoy the plot. Right.
2: All right. So, any other final thoughts? Uh, no. The next episode is called "The Vortex," and it it will, I, I've watched twenty minutes
0: of it. And <laughs> okay, we're back to snooze fest. All right. It does. It does deal with Odo's where he
2: come from. So that origins. Yeah, his yeah. origins. So that's
0: we're on to an Odo episode, huh? Yes. So okay, Renee Abergilwa, whatever is usually he's been a bright star in the oh, show. So. Human. He's a workhorse. Yeah. All right. Um. If that's it, I think we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. That was a good one. Uh, thanks for listening to the Rules of Acquisition. Go follow us on all that stuff and do all the stuff that every podcast tells you to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Email us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Follow us on Twitter. Tell us
2: where we're wrong and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Three to beam out.
0: <laughs> Three to beam out. All right. So that everybody was the negus, and uh, yeah, what to say, what to say. Um, I feel a little bit better, you guys. I don't know if you can tell even listening to these. Uh, I was sick, so that's why this was a little bit later than usual, but who cares about that? You're probably listening to this when you're listening to it, it's not broadcast TV. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, I'm feeling a little bit better. Up top, I I guess I thought a lot about my dinner with Andre. If you don't know, that's Wallace Shawn, who plays Grand Naked Zek. I mean, you should go watch... My Dinner with Andre. I didn't watch it. I think I mentioned on the pod that I've never seen it, which is kind of amazing how much uh, I was into this pretentious avant-garde theater, and I was a guy who would talk about Grotowski. And if you have ever seen that movie, well, I was kind of running on yeah, being insufferable. But actually, there's it's a great film, and I see a lot of like weird um, similarities between that conversation and then Andre Gregory's life and my uh career in the theater except on a very very much smaller and insignificant uh scale because i didn't really do much i wasn't uh f- was never a big deal you know i was more the yeah i'm 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 a piece of shit that's what i'm saying and for for all of my insufferable theater talk i was never nobody and I, well i guess i still am not anyways the negus. this episode uh hey It's a Ferengi episode, everybody, and we love this one, which, going back to the season one, I found very comical. I mean, not comical, almost ironic that, you know, given where we ended up by the end of the pod, if you haven't listened, and, you know, there's episodes like the, the one where they do the, yeah, the one at the end of season six, you know what I'm talking about. If you know what the worst Ferengi episode is. But this wasn't it. This was a good one. Uh, it's just funny that, I mean, and, you know, well, it's not funny. This was a good episode, especially in these early episodes, seasons, and early ROA. Again, I think we're much more uh, likely to say how much we think an episode is good. And I think like maybe if we went back and revisited it now, I think some we would be like, well, it's it's fine. It's not great, but At this time, I was like, no, wait, actually, you know what? This is a lot of fun. This is a good episode. Chill out. We should enjoy Star Trek, and this is an example of Star Trek we can enjoy. And (laughs) last episode, he may have been embarrassed by the voice he tried, and I am not. Yes, I will do negus laughing, and apparently throughout the podcast, I uh, do some bad voices, do some better ones sometimes, but the (laughs) hee-hee-hee-hee, yeah, that's easy to do, and it's very annoying, and I have... No regrets and no shame. Yeah, um, Life Day is the uh, Star Wars holiday special holiday, right? Not Happiness Day, but, you know, I, I think I said it, whatever it is. And putting a foot down early on here, James starts his uh, ISSB, I Steven bear, maybe a hack. You know what? say what you will call James a jerk for making that uh, statement. But you know what? He planted his flag early on in the ROA and he never gave up on it. And, you know, you got you got to respect that. So, uh, yeah, starting the campaign earlier. Uh, Yeah, we didn't like the uh, godfather part of this as much. I guess we the one scene. The Nagus has a son, which is interesting, Uh, the same way I guess he might live in an alternate reality where Sisko's dad is still dead, because at this point in the show, I think later on in an episode, they refer to his dad, and it's said in the tense, like, his dad is past and not with us anymore. But that is not the case, and we hear all about, and we meet Joe Sisko later on, so whatever. That has nothing to do with this episode, other than the uh, Negus has a son we never see again, and Cisco has the dead dad who actually we do see because he's not dead. Uh another thing we never see again is uh the puppet that the Negus has. And I wish there was more puppetry in Star Trek across the board. I wish that puppet came back. I wish it was a little salacious crumb to the Negus' old crime boss, but he's yeah, slash religious figure or whatever. Another thing, just going back to the uh, innocent times of 2015. I guess we are probably in 2016 by now, recording the podcast. But juggalo culture <laughs> now, I think James and uh, looks at the juggalos as comrades in a street fight. Kind of, you know what the juggalos have come back around to where, sure they're dumb magnets. We know how magnets work, but I think. And, you uh, know, I think at this point, I think we're more sympathetic towards juggalo culture in a way that we were not in this episode of DS9. And, you know, part of it, I think, is, yes, juggalos are dumb and maybe they're not. Some are, some of you are very smart juggalos out there. And, you know, more respect this time than uh, in the past, it's just, it's just like, because I think especially we've gotten a lot more... Uh, focused on issues of class in society and i think that's part of why we're not as mean to the jugglos anymore anyways i think if you know what i mean you know what i mean if you still think jugglos are laughable and, and what the fuck are you talking about liking jugglos now way to have betrayed well you know infinite diversity and infinite combination sometimes you just need a murder clown out there saying uh let's go uh Sneaking to do some some murder hoboing or something to uh, the. Um, I, I'm not gonna talk about guillotines or anything. Uh, sorry, some people are rolling their eyes. Some people are going fuck yeah, talk about gu- guillotines. Uh, anyways, let's talk about Andrea Martin um, because it's uh, it's a thing in this. We get in on a little detour about how uh, I think my nose started bleeding when I started talking about Andrea Martin uh, in an anime sense look Andrea Martin is a national treasure and I still believe that and she's she's great I mean what can you say I think at the time uh this podcast I was listening I was still listening to a lot of Julie Klausner's how was your week and I think at this about time like she had started making that Hulu show that got canceled after two or three seasons difficult people and I just listened to Andrea Martin was on that show and I had listened to that podcast where Julie was talking up Andrea Martin and I realized, you know what? Andrea Martin is a national treasure. She did a lot of trapeze work for the Broadway revival of Pippin and by all accounts, she's got a, she's got a, still got a smoking hot bod for her age and that's why my nose is bleeding and get over it. Old people are great. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so, yeah, my old pods, you know, and I stuff I was listening to things like uh like that. And now I don't know what pods I listen to. Star Trek pods, right? Nope, just this one and some other ones and it's funny how our uh podcast intake can change over 4 years. Maybe you can agree, maybe you can see that maybe you've grown with us as we've done this pod and changed in our views and as hell world is caught flame and burst around us, maybe we are a little bit different than we used to be. I mean, we got to be different than we could. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. So this is a good podcast. I like this one. This one was a lot of fun. <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, even when we disagree in this, we're like, okay, well, well, okay, I do agree with you. Even both of us, we are not that combative in this. It's kind of fun that way. It's kind of fun to be combative sometimes. But anyways, the negus man, it was a good podcast, wasn't it? Yeah. So for your homework, I guess, go watch uh, My Dinner with Andre. And if you want to give us a call and tell us what you think about... What, tell me. I want to know what kind of old podcast maybe you were listening to, how your podcast habits have changed. Just for me, I maybe we'll do something with it. Uh, give us a call if you want to talk about this episode or about Star Trek or about Rene Auberginois. Um, oh, yeah, bummer. I'm sorry. He, he passed away just recently, and uh, that's a tough one because he he's like the best and we never, you know, we may be later, we have criticisms of Odo as a character, but never of Rene O'Bergenwine. He's just great. So rest in peace. So if you want to tell, I'm doing a lot of rambling here. It's just good to not be coughing and sick and talking in a very scratchy voice, but 917-408-3898. Let us know about whatever you want to talk about. Check out the podcast. Uh, we're in it on the Hashishian discovery. Well, discovery that's not happening yet. The Hashishian Superiority Book Club. Go check out that podcast feed. Go to kickersofelves.com dot com if you don't follow or if you're not subscribed to that, and you can do all the stuff and do all the things that every podcast has you to do. Uh, if you want to hear that good old combative Kickers of Elves magic, well, listen to the hashish and Superiority Book Club Season 2, Neil Stevenson's Fall, because uh, get your knives out there uh, and and possibly your guillotines because it's uh, a little bit dicier. So, yeah, but do all the stuff. I love you. I love uh, some of these performers. I love Armand Shimmerman. Uh, I love It's late and I'm just... I've got so much love. To get, no, mm, all right, just just in the podcast wait. Push the button. Yep. That's it. And you can turn this off now. Stick around. We're still doing stuff. All right, bye. That is possibly why people are fearful for the future of our society.
2: We believe in you. We know you are better than this.